All right, good morning. Got a, got a fuller house this morning, that's good. Pastor already mentioned the weather. Um, I'm still catching up on sleep. On Thursday night, we, on Thursday night, we had a, uh, a night job with, uh, with, my, with my work, and we ended up working about 22 out of 24 hours, so I was dragging a little bit. And then we had the, the teen conference Friday night, Saturday morning. Um, I'm sort of catching up, but uh, if I fall asleep in the pulpit, I'll just lean forward. Give me a minute and I'll wake back up. But 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Can anybody remember, looking at chapter 5, what we talked about last week? Starts with an F. Every one of these issues Paul is dealing with starts with an F. The church was something, and it starts with an F. What were they? In fact, I'll tell you what the F stands for. They were failing to what? Look at chapter 5. Failing to discipline is what we call it. But yes, they were failing to address the sin in the church. There was very gross sin going on, and they they weren't doing anything about it. We're not going to do a review this morning, but they were failing to discipline. Well, then... Nice. I had Emma bring my tablet out, and uh, there we go. And she forgot the pen. I don't know if that's her fault or my fault, but the pen is not with it, so now my, my thumb is trying to make it work. Failing to discipline. We're going to talk about um, chapter 6 this morning. We're going to get into chapter 6. They were fragmenting the body. Everything, All of them start with an F, so they're all alliterated, but they were fragmenting the body. And we keep talking about this as we go through 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians is so practical, so applicable to the New Testament church today, and it's the same way here in chapter 6. We're going to pray, and then we're going to get into it, but lots of, it's a short chapter, but a lot of very practical helps that we can use uh, even in our church. All right, let's pray, and we'll get into it. Father, I thank you for this day you've given us. God, I thank you for the messages we heard and the, and the time we could have with our teens here this uh, Friday and Saturday. God, I just pray that you would work in their hearts. God, the things that they heard would, would be uh, they would make decisions that will change uh, their lives, uh, decisions about surrendering, decisions about uh, just, just obeying their parents and, and the, the chain of command that you've put in their lives. And I pray that they would do that sweetly with good attitudes. And uh, God, just changing their attitude would, will change their lives and change their outlook on how they uh, act and how they obey their pastor and how they uh, work in the church and everything else. So I pray that you would... Work in the lives of our teenagers. Work in our hearts as well. God, I pray that you would help us to see revival in our lives, that we would get excited about living for you. And uh, God, as we look at this uh, chapter here, that we would uh, make sure that our church doesn't have these uh, divisions, doesn't have these issues. God, we would uh, take care of them. And the only way for us to take care of those is to make sure that we're fixing them in our own lives, uh, and then the church can be what it's supposed to be. So I pray that you bless this time we have together. In Jesus' name, amen. Chapter 6, we're just going to kind of go through it like we did last week with chapter 5. We're just going to go right through the chapter and make some notes on it, and then we will be done. But chapter 6, verse 1, the Bible says, Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Um, 
Paul is, Paul is addressing this because the way they were acting in the church, the way they were taking care of problems was improper. All right, that's what we have, that's what we're looking at here. Uh, how they were judging was inappropriate. They were taking these matters, and, and I, I wanted to make sure, uh, I wrote some notes down, but this is not, um, these are not huge issues in the church that they're taking before a judge, okay? They're, they're taking these tiny little issues, you know, Nitin owes me $5 and he won't pay it back. They're going to court and suing him for it. That's what Paul's addressing here. Uh, little stuff. Dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Um, they're, they're taking these before heathen judges um, for, for judgment. And, and it's interesting here, and there's all kinds of different uh, uh, people believe different things about this, this passage. But verse 3, Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? Um, and I want to see in verse, um, s- where's it at? It says the least of you, the, the least of you should be able to, to judge these. Uh, where's it at? I get, I'm getting ahead of myself. That's what's going on. Um, verse, four. verse four. If then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed. In the church, that's why I'm getting ahead of myself. But a lot of people uh, have different ideas about what that means. Um, one guy was saying, and this is what I don't—I don't like doing this uh, about God's word. So we're not—we're not going to. But I was reading another guy who said, you know, this—the least esteemed could mean the unsaved. He could be talking about the unsaved here. Um, and then he says, in the church. In verse 4, in the church could mean that they were set by the church. So he's saying that the church could have set the unjust there to, uh, by the church to rule in these matters. And then he says, verse 4 says, um, if then you have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed. To me, that's a command, right? Set them. You do it. This guy was saying that could be an interrogation. An interrogation, are you setting them? I think it's very clear what he's saying in verse 4. These matters are so simple. Remember, in the first couple chapters, we talked about um, a Christian being able to discern, right? Christians should be able, he's saying these matters are so simple, even this, even the least esteemed in the church should be able to judge on these matters. Don't take them to the heathens to judge. And here's why. One of the, one of the main reasons, um, well, there's two reasons. We should be able to, I should be able to go to Nitin and say, brother, don't worry about the $5, right? Don't even worry about it. If you can't pay it back, don't worry about it. And, and it should be more of a fight of whether he's going to pay, no, I'm going to pay you back. No, I'm forgiving you of that debt. No, I'm going to pay you back. That should be the fight, not where's my $5? I don't have the money. Where's my $5? So you understand. That's one thing. The second thing is the reproach that it brings on the church of Christ. When we go to the heathen, that judge, you know, just think of it this way. That judge may have gotten a flyer in his door from Mount Victory Baptist Church, right? We don't know whose doors we're knocking on, whose doors we're putting flyers in, whose door we're putting tracks in. 
And he may have seen that. Oh, Mount Victory, man, that's a new church in the area. Great. And then he has two people from Mount Victory come in before him because he's parking in my spot on the street. Right? You ever seen those, those little uh, shows where, where they're little issues, but they go fight each other? Judge Judy comes to mind. He's parking in my spot. Imagine that judge gets, gets that suit and goes, what in the world? That's Mount Victory Baptist Church. So that's what Paul's addressing here. The Corinthians were bringing reproach on, on the church of Christ. The world is getting to see all their dirty laundry airing out, right? And, and he's addressing that. So he says, because of how you're judging, you're being improper, but because of whom you will be judging. Look at verse 2. Do ye not know that the sh saints shall judge the world? Annette, can you look up 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12? Brother Scott, can I get you to look up Daniel chapter 7, verse 22? But he said, you're going to be judging the world with Christ. Are you not qualified to, to make judgments now? Um, he says that in verse 2 and 3. But go ahead, Brother Nitton, when you're there. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12. He's saying we're going to reign with him. Brother Scott, you got it? Daniel chapter 7, verse 22. The saints are going to, to rule, and that's what Paul is saying here. You're gonna be you're gonna be reigning on the earth. You can judge. Now, Jude chapter 14, uh, Jude verse 14, uh, Brother Pastor David uh, was in Jude on, on Friday night. But Jude verse 14 says, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all. And to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and, have, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. But the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment. And Paul is saying, you're going to be judging in the end times. You can't, you can't judge on these little matters and keep it within the church. Um, but then he, he, he addresses who they had doing the judgment, and we already kind of talked about this, but I, I wrote this down. I believe Paul is saying here, and, and this is where I got ahead of myself, even the weakest members should be able to figure this judgment out. No need to go to law with it. Bear and forbear, and even the least among you will be able to come to a judgment. And that's what I meant when I was talking about, uh, you know, Nitten having this small issue, or I have this small issue with Nitten. Even, even some of the, the least esteemed among you that doesn't mean weak members but the least esteemed just a, just a regular old layman doesn't mean the pastor has to that's what was happening with Moses remember and his father-in-law says man you you need help judging there's too many people the pastor should not have to uh you know it makes me think of because every time we clean you know we we don't we don't fight over it but our group hey what's left the bathrooms yeah you do the bathrooms I'll sweep the floor you know that Imagine if we're coming to the pastor. I did the bathrooms last week, and he, he needs to do the bathroom. He needs to clean the bathrooms this week. Little stuff. doesn't need to go to the pastor, right? You could go, the least esteemed among you can be like, listen, here's what we need to do. You know, here's a chart. 
and make a chart or simple stuff like that, you know. I'm not, and that's not what was going on in the church of Corinth, but that's what I mean by we don't need to take these things to a heathen judge and have him go, really? You acted like children, but here's the judgment I'll make and, uh, and bring a reproach on the church of Christ. All right, <clears throat> and then verse 7. Paul, Paul is addressing this because he says there's a, there's a better way here. And they, there were no winners the way they were doing it, the way they were letting others judge them. Look at verse 7. Now, therefore, there is utterly a fault among you because ye go to law with one another. Why do you not rather take wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? So the way they were doing it, there was no winners. They were losing. They were hurting the church of Christ. But then he's kind of sort of a play on, on words, so to speak, of what he's saying. He says, instead of having no winners the way you're doing it, how about, how about you be the loser in this argument? How about you go ahead and be the one that's defrauded? Look what he says in verse 7. Why do you not rather take wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Uh, defrauded means usually means you know money. Uh, somebody cheated you, and and Paul is saying just just be cheated, and let it go, forgive them. But it could be it could be a whole lot of other things. Um, you know, <clears throat> they they offended me in church, and so instead of getting bitter and holding on to that for weeks and weeks and weeks until you know the whole church knows your issue, how about just let yourself be offended. Forgive them, even if you don't have to go to them and say, I forgive you. They might not have even known they offended you, but I forgive you. No, there's no problem, and you move on. That's what Paul's saying here. You be the loser. Go ahead and be the loser in the matter. Um, but then look at verse 9, and we're moving through this quickly, but I, it's because I wanted to get uh, to, the, to the middle of this passage because look in verse 9, and we're going to go 9 through 13. They were... They were doing, the, doing this judging wrong, but then Paul says, verse 9, you're, you're intemperate. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. So he kind of changes topics here. First he's talking about letting the heathen judge, and now he's talking about um, <clears throat> the way they're acting. The unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. <clears throat> now, we've seen that list before in 1 Corinthians. It's a little bit different, but we've seen it uh, before. Look at, look at chapter 5, verse 10. He's tell, he tells the Corinthians, we saw this last week, don't, uh, don't company with Verse 9, fornicators, yet not, yet not altogether with fornicators of this world or with covetous or extortioners or idolaters, for they then must you needs go out of the world. So we see him listing these things out, but now he's talking about, look, this is in the church. Fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, abusers of themselves with mankind, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers. Um, they're not going to get into the kingdom, kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. But look what he says in verse 11. And I know we're familiar with this verse, but it, this is a powerful verse. And such were some of you. Remember when we talked about the introduction to 1 Corinthians. 
the, the, the way this city was, how wicked, how vile it was. And Paul says that. Some of you were that. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And I think maybe Paul is saying here, um, I don't know what the issues were that the, that the church at Corinth was having. Maybe, maybe people like this. Uh, now, he just addressed this in verse 5, or chapter 5, that one of their own leaders was having these issues with fornication and all the rest. But there may have been groups. Uh, remember, we said last week that some of them were proud of themselves that we're not following that guy. But they might have also taken it a step further and said, you know, if you have any of these issues, you're not coming in our church. You're not welcome. You're not, you're not invited fornicators, idolaters, adulterers. And they may have thought they were holding the line like uh, maybe some independent fundamental Baptist churches do, and I'm, and I'm glad we hold the line. But sometimes we go so overboard that we don't even want, we don't want that dirt in our church. They're unsaved. And Paul says that in verse, in verse 11, such were some of you, but you've been washed. You've been sanctified. You're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. So then he, then he kind of changes topics a little bit again and says, verse 12, um, <clears throat> you've been saved from the law. Verse 12, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Think about this. Um, uh, Christian liberty is often abused. It's often misunderstood. Um, People use it to, to do what they want and, and uh, do the things they, however they feel. And that's not saying that the church, this thing is, there we go. It is very sensitive and unsensitive. All right, so he's not saying um, <clears throat> Christian liberty is misunderstood. But what Paul is saying here is what God told Peter when, when he saw that vision. What I've said is clean, don't you call it unclean. All right, now the, the Corinthians were taking it a step further and they had an issue, and we'll see this in verse 13. Uh, meats for the belly <clears throat> and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now their body is not for fornication, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. What was happening here in Corinth was uh, people were coming into the church, possibly getting saved, uh, but then not getting rid of that old lifestyle. They were using their Christian liberty to say, well, you know, we can eat any meat that we want, and that's fine, so I can do whatever I want with my body, too. The Greeks and the Romans did uh, consider um, <clears throat> the body to be amoral. Now, Paul is addressing this and says that foods are amoral. There's no morality necessarily in food. You know, uh, that's what the Jews thought, uh, Pork, it's unclean. The pork is unclean. The pork itself is unclean. And, and Paul's saying, <clears throat> and God told Peter that. It's not unclean. That's not unclean. But then the, the Corinthians were going a step further and saying, well, fornication is fine too, because the Greeks and Romans have told us. Paul is addressing culture here. And our pastor talks about this fairly often, <clears throat> that just because culture says something's fine doesn't mean it's fine. Uh, the church at Corinth had that issue here. The Romans and the Greeks at Corinth here were saying, yeah, I mean, fornication's fine, do whatever. And Paul was saying, there is, so the, the 
food is for the belly and the belly is for food. That, that's different. Your body is the Lord's and you need to be careful about what you're doing with it. That's what he's addressing here in verse 13. Uh, and, and in 14, and God hath both, ra both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. He's saying uh, the body, our body is the Lord's and God is going to use that body again. He, he is going to use it. Um, but Christ died to redeem the body. And that's what, that's what he means in verse 14. And will also raise up us by his own power. He died for us. Don't let these things in your body separate you from Christ. But then he goes on in verse 15. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. Um, we know the uh, <clears throat> uh, Bible says that uh, man and woman shall come together, become one flesh. And Paul is addressing that. He's saying, you know, when you are uh, in the act of this fornication, you're, you're becoming one flesh and then moving on to another and tearing that apart. And it's, it, it's impossible. That's not the way it was meant to work even though culture is telling you it's fine. Um, and there's so much we could talk about with, with this, with our culture, um, when it comes to all the, the different LGBTQ alphabet um, and the transgender and all the rest of that. We do not have to accept that. We shouldn't accept that. because Just because culture says it's fine. Um, same thing with abortion. You know, the, the Supreme Court, way back when said abortion is legal. That doesn't mean we accept that. And that's what Paul's addressing here. The Greeks and the Romans here at Corinth have said, yeah, that's fine. Fornication is perfectly fine. That does not mean the church should accept it. Um, but then, so, so then he says in verse 16, he's kind of given the importance of a family. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two saith he shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Verse 18, then he gives them some, some commands. Verse 18, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. He's saying this is the one thing that is going to, it's going to destroy you. Now, you also have to remember um, that Paul Paul sends Timothy, right, in, verse, in chapter 5, he he's said he was going to send Timothy, uh, not because, don't, don't think I'm not coming, but I'm going to send Timothy in my place. And uh, Timothy was a preacher boy that Paul had led to Christ. He was his son in the faith. And I think here he is, is thinking way ahead, Paul is. Um, Think about when we see someone saved out of the world. They've, they've never been in church. Maybe they're uh, 35, 40 years old, and they come into the church. They accept Christ as their Savior, the baggage that they could have, right? And I think Paul is addressing that here. Paul is expecting out of the church of Corinth to see pastors raised up, other churches started, and there are some things uh, some baggage that just, it, it, it doesn't go away, and it can't. What I'm trying to say is there are some qualifications for a pastor and some qualifications for deacons that Paul in his mind was thinking, I've got to stop this before it gets too far, and all these people in this church are disqualified and it can't be used by God. 
for pastoring other churches. So that's what he says in verse uh, 18. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Then verse 19, he takes it a step further. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Christians, you're not your own. Your body is a place, a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit of God. You're not your own. Uh, he said it's the, the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. Um, we know these things. Now, and remember, the, the Corinthians, some of these are, they may have been saved for a year and a half, maybe less as Paul left, and, and others are, are saved after he leaves. Um, but you've got to remember, too, that these false teachers are coming in and teaching their own doctrine. Remember in verse, uh, chapter 5, or, or chapter 4 in verse uh, 8. Chapter 4, verse 8 of 1 Corinthians. For I th- uh, now ye are full, now ye are rich. Ye have reigned as kings without us. And I would to God ye did reign that we also might reign with you. He's, remember, he's addressing preachers here, the, the teachers. He said, in our stead, in, in our absence, you've reigned as kings without us. What do kings do? They make up their own rules, don't they? And I think that's what he was addressing there, saying these guys have, have just been making up everything, whatever they want, and some of them have told you it's fine to, to join yourself to our it's, it's This fornication you're involved in is fine, probably because they were involved in it too. And Paul's saying that here in verse 19. Your body's the temple of the Holy Ghost. Be careful what you're doing with your body, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Verse 20, we know this verse very well. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I think we could could preach a whole message on this. It's God's. We, We heard this on Friday. Uh, night we heard this last Sunday night I believe when brother Nitten preached but surrender um, surrender doesn't just mean that we say with our mouth yeah whatever you want God I'll, I'll do whatever you want it means that our actions that our thoughts that our conversations with others is brought into subjection underneath the Holy Spirit glorify your God in your body and in your spirit, your thoughts, which are God's. Um, and we would do good to remember this as, as Christians. Our body is a place of worship. We should worship God with our bodies. That's why we don't just go do whatever we want. We don't stick rings in our, in our noses and tattoos on our body. Why? Why don't we drink? Why don't we smoke it's not it's it's other things it's a because of our testimony and everything else but it's because we are not our own we are bought with a price therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's I was thinking about this imagine if if uh, somebody was on death row and could and you could pay a fine a fee to get them off of death row they have no chance right Um, they're they're done they're going to die and they are bought. And I, I, I was thinking about this too. This often happened with the, the slaves uh, in the Civil War. People would buy slaves and just free them. 
because of, uh, they thought slavery was wrong and they would pay the price to get them and then say, you're a free man. Imagine then if that person that has been freed, whether it's a slave or whatever else, turned around and, and spits in the face of the person that just freed them, right? That's what we do when, when we are bought with the price. What is that price? The blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus' blood, he had to pay with his blood to, to buy us, to redeem us. And then we turn around and give zero uh, credence to his word. We give zero, we don't care what he says. The preacher preaches and we say, eh, I don't think, I don't like that. I'm not going to do that. We're bought with a price. For what reason? To glorify God. That's the only reason that he redeemed us. He redeemed our souls, but everything, everything in creation, the church is there to glorify God. And when we do our own thing, we are not glorifying him in our body or in our spirit, which are God's. God's. And I think uh, Paul is addressing that here. He, he touches on the, the way they were dealing with each other, and I think that's very important. That's extremely practical about our dealings in the church right there at the beginning of the chapter. Um, and we would do good to heed that. Uh, I, the, I've not been around all that long, but I'm sure some of you that have have seen these issues in churches. People that are, they split a church over something stupid that they have a disagreement with another person or a disagreement with the pastor that's not biblical, it's not doctrinal, it's just, I don't like what he's doing. Or um, my dad had this even, I remember very clearly growing up. My dad, and I don't want to get into too many details, but none of y'all know uh, this story, so you won't know any people involved, but he paid to have a building built on our property. Cost him $30,000, which 25, I was probably 30 years ago now, that's a lot of money, $30,000. And there were 10 kids in our family, so he didn't have tons of money to just throw away. And he had a guy in our church hired to build that building. Paid him 30, paid all of it up front. And to this day, if you go on my parents' property, there's no concrete floor in that building. Uh, we've had to fix it several times, make it smaller as pieces uh, rot off because it was never finished. And I remember my dad talking about it. And as I got older, I said, well, why don't you just go to him and tell him to finish it? And he said, I'm not even gonna bring it up. He knows, he knows what he did, this, this contractor. And I'm not gonna ruin a friendship. I'm not gonna ruin uh, my family over the bitterness of, of going after this guy or tearing him down. Or he, and he did what the Bible says here in, in chapter six. He went to the pastor and said, hey, what should I do? The pastor brought this guy in. They both sat down and talked. And the guy said, I apologize, I'll get it finished and walked out and never did it. And he never took him to the, to, the, to a judge to sue him. None of that ever happened. Because just like Paul says in verse, uh, and I lost it again. He says, you be the loser though. You let yourself be defrauded for the sake of the church, right? And for the sake of Christ. Uh, so I was thinking about that as I was studying for this. It's a very practical example of exactly what we're supposed to do. Typically it's not $30,000. Typically it's a lot smaller than that. But even $30,000, that's not something to ruin a church over. That's not something to ruin our reputation over. Now, will he go 
that doesn't mean, doesn't mean be a doormat and go say, hey, I want you to build another building on my property and see if you'll change the way you did it this time. That doesn't mean we should do that either. We can be smart about it, but we shouldn't ruin uh, the name of Christ over that. Um, so Paul addresses that, says, don't, don't be a doormat, but be the one that goes ahead and takes the loss. And then he addresses this, uh, our bodies, changes, completely changes subjects and, and says, be careful what you're doing with your body. It's the, it's, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, and we are bought so that we can glorify God in our bodies. Um, and that's what I said at the beginning. Very practical, but very, very applicable to the New Testament local church today. Follow these things. Watch what you're doing with your body. Um, be careful. Uh, and that's why we teach our kids. We Pastor has been going through for probably a year now, what I believe and why. So it's for us, but it's for our kids. Often growing up, we're told, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, but we don't know why. And we're going through that series so that we can understand why are we doing what we're doing. And a lot of it has to do with this verse right here. You're bought with the price. Be very careful what you're doing with your body. It's the temple of the Holy Ghost. And, and a lot... We, we look at a lot of other verses and a lot of other reasons, but it comes it boils down to that. You're not your own. So be careful what you're doing with your body, and that, that becomes a lot of why we do what we do. All right? That's the end of chapter 6. We're going to get into chapter 7 uh, next week, but look, what it, look at chapter 7, verse 1. And remember I told you the house of Chloe had written Paul, right? And said, hey, there's all these issues in the church. We've finished those. That's where chapter 6 ends. Now chapter 7 starts where they said, they had also written and said, we have some things that we don't understand how to, how we're supposed to do them. That's what he starts in chapter 7. We'll get into that next week. Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, is good for a man not to touch a woman. So he's switching topics now and saying, okay. I addressed everything that Chloe said y'all are doing wrong. There's my reproof. Now I'm going to give you some instruction starting in chapter 7 and going through the rest of the chapter. All right, we'll get into that next week. Let's pray, and then we will be dismissed for the next service. Father, I thank you for this day you've given us. God, I thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you for the blood that you shed to purchase us. And God, I pray that you would help us to remember each day, each moment of each day, God, that we are not our own. We're bought with that price. Uh, God, you had to come from heaven and die on that cross to save our souls. And God, it's, it's so wicked of us to just take that, that redemption and do whatever we feel like doing with it. So I pray that we'd be careful, not just what we do with our bodies, but as, as we walk through our day-to-day -day lives, God, that we would be careful to glorify you with our bodies that are not our own, with our attitudes, with our spirits, now that we would be trying our best to follow <clears throat> the example that you've given us in your word uh, of your son and all the others, uh, the stories that we see. God, we pray that we would apply those to our lives <clears throat> so that we can better glorify you, better serve you, and uh, just be better Christians all around. I pray that you bless this next hour, that you give uh, Pastor Ryan's power as he preaches. God, I pray that you give him exactly what we need, and I pray that our hearts will be open to make changes where we need to. 
Pray that you bless the next hour. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.